everyone. My name is Denise Bakkalja and I'm your host for the show Coffee Chats with Scientist. Welcome back. We had a few weeks off and hope everyone is enjoying the slower pace that summer can bring. I took my first time off within uh, the last one year and I didn't have the chance to even t- take time off after my PhD. So over the last week, I sort of reset myself and ready to be back to my lab work now. Today, we have a lovely guest from UCL Division of Surgery and Interventional Sciences, Dr. Alvina Qureshi. Alvina is one of our lecturers in musculoskeletal bioengineering, and Alvina is one of our PIs within the Center for 3D Models of Health and Disease. She mostly focuses on the development of 3D biomimetic in vitro collagen tissue models that can mimic the structural and mechanical properties of native tissues, and hopefully we will have hear the details of her work today. Welcome, Alvina. I'm very happy to have you here today. How are you? Hi, Denise. No, uh, thank you very much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. I'm really looking forward to this podcast. I know, me too. And I know you're very busy because you're preparing for students coming back in September. And thank you so much for taking the time, honestly. No problem at all. No problem. This is an absolute pleasure. It's nice to kind of stop things and and do something nice like this. So yeah, absolutely my pleasure. Very good to hear. So as if that's our tradition, I want to ask your favourite coffee and also a particular snack to go with. Yeah, so I'm probably going to break the tradition in the sense that I don't drink coffee. Is that really scandalous of me? Um, No, but you sit opposite me. So I just noticed that you don't drink coffee yet. I'm more of a tea drinker. It's always like um, a nice hot cup of English breakfast tea for me. Amazing. I just never had a taste for coffee. And that's enough for your caffeine intake for the day and you're done with an English breakfast. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure you're having better sleep than me. Well, I guess so. Yeah, I know everyone that drinks coffee, because there's so many coffee drinkers in our office, isn't there? Um, yeah. Yeah, everyone loves their coffee. But yeah, I've just never had a taste for it. And um I normally have about three to four cups of tea. So yeah, that keeps me going. That's perfect. I mean, to be honest, it's the healthiest. So uh, I'm going to ask next time favorite tea as well. So it's good, good, good practice for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would be great to start with yourself, your career path and your research interests. Yeah, sure. So uh, thanks for giving me a great intro. Um, so yeah, I am a lecturer in the Division of Surgery and Interventional Science. Um, and I guess being an academic, you ha- like wear many hats. So as you rightly said, Denise, my research is aligned to the center of 3D models of health and disease. And I'm currently looking at um, abdominal hernias and trying to develop a surgical mesh to treat that. Um, But of course, being an academic, I'm also heavily involved in education. So I'm a co-program lead for one of our undergraduate programs in medical sciences and engineering. Um, And my third role, I guess, is um, more to do with um, promoting race equality in education. So I'm the faculty lead for the BAME Awarding Gap project. And so we're trying to improve inclusiveness um, within our faculty and um, ensure that students from all ethnicities achieving equal outcomes. So, yeah, I'm hoping to talk about a little bit about that as well a bit later that would be perfect and it's actually wow all the things you've been doing I know you're very very busy as in you do very diverse within your also projects you're very diverse like you have like your PhDs and obviously your um, BSc students you, the modules you're running it's actually very outstanding what you've been doing but what were your major reasons to pick for example you mentioned uh, hernias 
what was the reason behind that you kind of divert you know diverge into that yeah so I guess um so I guess I didn't really touch upon my kind of career path so my PhD started in hernias actually so I did my PhD at the division of surgery funnily enough um many years ago (laughs) feels like a long time ago now um, so that was in hernias, and I was trying to look at why collagen tissues expand and grow in the way that they do with hernias. Um, and so from that, I learned a lot of like tissue engineering skills, biomechanics, cell biology, um, and that really interested me. Um, I did a bit of a sidestep. Um, as with tissue engineering, you can work in so many different tissues. So I, um, I did my postdoc in the Institute of Ophthalmology here at UCL, and I was working on corneas. So again, another connective tissue. Um, But there I was like developing um, stem cell based therapies to treat corneal blindness. And so completely different application, but still very relevant skills that you pick up, obviously, within tissue engineering, still working with collagen tissues and still looking at biomechanics. Um, And then after I finished my postdoc, I did a a short fellowship at Harvard um, where I was um, trying to kind of branch off into my independence. Um, And it was there really that I was trying to develop um, kind of the structural similarity of tissues. Um, In that instance, it was still for the cornea. Um, And then that led me to my lectureship here. And so I kind of went full circle, came back to division of surgery. Um, And being an academic, you can really choose whichever um, field you want to go into. And so hernias um, was always a, you know, an interest of mine since my PhD, but Um, you might have seen as well, Denise, and I'm guessing some of the listeners might have seen in the news more recently, um, there's been lots of complications that patients have reported with hernia meshes. Um, And so it's become a really kind of urgent clinical need that we need to address. So I thought it was a very timely problem to um, go back to and try and contribute now, kind of from an engineering perspective. And I guess all your work you've done with the corneal, the stem cell is pretty much very overlapping with tissue regeneration. So everything almost, it looks like, you know, different maybe diseases. It actually, you, your story is complete, I believe. And you, it's good to know different areas and different diseases. I think it gives you a better perspective for designing your study, I mean, experiments as well. That's mm-hmm. what I think. The, yeah. the more you work on different areas, then you have more chance to, you know, kind of um, improve your project a lot better and like your career path is amazing I was just wondering like how did you manage to kind of sort of like arrange your lectureship when you were in Harvard or how did that happen you were applying already at this position yeah so I was actually applying for fellowships and lectureships you kind of just apply for everything really um I I guess as early career researchers a lot of the listeners might be um, postdocs and they're always like short contracts so they might be two years three years so as a postdoc, you're always kind of looking for the next um, the next stepping stone. And having done, you know, several years as a postdoc, I wanted to, something permanent and I, I knew I wanted to stay in academia. So you just have to kind of keep applying. And so I had applied um, to, to quite a few and it, I think it was just the timing of this one um, and my expertise aligned really nicely yeah. um, that I was able to join, yeah. Yes, I mean, for as a tips for permanent stuff, UCL stuff or any other stuff, you recommend, con- you know, applying different places just or yeah. did you did you have your grant at the same time for your PhDs or you first get into a permanent staff position and then continue your fellowships or 
Yeah, so you can apply it. So I, I mean, before, while I was a postdoc, I applied for postdoctoral fellowships that kind of give you, you know, kind of five years of research, um, mm-hmm. like block funding. Um, but I was unsuccessful. And so I think at the same time as uh, fellowships, you've got to also apply for lectureships. Um, and so that's very much more, um, as I explained, it's more kind of on the education side as well. So you're doing research, but you're also doing education. Yes. Whereas with the research fellowship, it's just purely research. So I think it's important to um, just, you know, apply for lots of different things because I think you learn a lot from your failures as well. And I think it's the failures that you don't necessarily see. Or obviously, you don't see on someone's CV. You don't see them often talking about it either. Um, but it's that that kind of propels you to improve the next application and the next application. So, yeah, I think I learned a lot from the ones I didn't get. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. I just recently, you know, trying to publish few stuff and I've been struggling, but I'm just telling myself I'm learning from each failure. Like yeah. Everything tells me something. You must be um, like really getting a lot from the feedback as well, right? Yes, yes. I mean, it's also um, good for your future works that I plan. Now I, for example, know what um, editors or reviewers want and I can plan my experiments a lot more. Obviously, not because of the sake of publication, but it yeah. gives me an idea what uh, people like or what they would like to see because I'm very, very, you know, just a very early um, mm. career researcher. So it's kind of good for me to see what uh, what are others doing and what mm. they think about my work. So it's given me a different perspective. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm going to jump back to your hernia work because mm. I would like to hear from you know, one of your recent publications and the clinical impact of your research, which you already mentioned, but it'll be nice to maybe see your work in a publication concept, like very briefly, please. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I guess, um, so one of my areas of interest is trying to um, develop frugal innovations. So obviously a lot of healthcare treatments that we develop here in the West are really expensive, but of course hernias impact people worldwide and particularly in the developing world, um, they don't have access, sorry, they don't have access to commercial meshes, which can be often really expensive. Um, So we um, actually, in the developing world, they are using um, kind of low cost synthetic meshes that are typically used as mosquito netting. Um, And it's been used successfully and it's been been shown to be as effective and as safe as commercial meshes. Um, So, my PhD student Alessandra has recently published a paper in hernia where she was characterizing um, this, you know, low cost synthetic mesh that's typically used as mosquito mesh to, we wanted to see whether it would be suitable um, in terms of in vitro biocompatibility, is it similar in terms of structure and mechanics? Um, and what we found was that it, um, su- you know, surprisingly was. Um, and so we kind of did that piece of work as a stepping stone really um, to kind of encourage the use of mosquito net mesh um, here in the UK, because obviously there's lots of advantages, it's it's a lot cheaper, but there are still many, many barriers that need to be overcome. Um, And we published um, a paper kind of on this thing as well with colleagues in Imperial and Queen Mary's um, in BMJ Innovations. Um, and it, that was really kind of highlighting this double standard because, you know, if if a treatment such as the mosquito mesh is okay for use in the developing world, and we know that it has similar outcomes, why is it not being used or why is it not deemed appropriate for use here in the UK or in the developed world? 
Mm-hmm. So there's there's a lot of things there, but I think it's really important to have those conversations and also look at when you're developing healthcare innovations to have that in mind because your target population, you know, there's just millions of people in the world that just wouldn't benefit from something if it just costs too much. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I I've seen the work and I I love it. I mean, I, I also from Alessandra because I I was kind of there when she. Yeah. started me and her we kind of grow up together and it's amazing that her work literally what she achieved you guys achieved together and she's going to present this work hopefully in Termis EU in Netherlands if I'm right in November right yes exactly very exciting for that it's going to be exciting yeah how many people are affected by for um, example UK wise or developing countries yeah so in the UK I think it's something like a hundred thousand a year Um, that are being operated on so it is quite a burden wow, yeah yes but of course I think worldwide obviously in the developing countries where people don't have access to um, treatments they often you know the hernias often get left untreated and you know they can get even more complications obviously you get they get bigger over time if they're not treated so I think there's yeah there's definitely much more scope I think abroad as well um, in terms of just how many people are affected by it yeah I think when you see obviously it's not good to have people hernia but when you see the impact mm. of your research you feel a lot more motivated because there are a lot of people been suffer- suffering from this so you yeah. it makes you feel that you want to work a lot more for them that's also good yeah. motivation for us obviously it's unfortunate people having this but it is but um, you're right because I think you're right uh, particularly the work that we do in uh, the center of 3d models is very translational so you know we're all working on different diseases and where, where you see that you can actually have an impact on improving patients health and well-being it does motivates you know it motivates me it motivates our researchers um, because you know you're making a difference it obviously you have to be very patient you don't see the difference overnight um, But, you know, I think knowing that you're contributing towards that bigger picture is really satisfying. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, I also want to hear about, because you have a very successful career, as far as I know. Uh, did you have any struggles in academia where things were, you know, there were things that you would do differently? Might, or maybe you were stressing yourself too much in throughout your career. Maybe you would go back to yourself and want to tell, you know, oh, Alvina, I stressed too much like you shouldn't have done it that sort of yeah kind of the benefit of hindsight isn't it what would you tell your youngest (laughs) um yeah I think struggles I think everyone has struggles in academia and I think that you know it doesn't stop your struggles probably just change as um as you go along the career ladder um I think being a postdoc obviously you're always worried like I said you're always worried that your um post is coming to an end and you've got a finite amount of time and you you know you always have to look for the next one um But I think that's just part and parcel of the the job. So there's not much you can do about that other than just being proactive about looking for opportunities, making the most of networking when you go to conferences um, and yeah, just kind of collaborating. Because from there, you create um, sometimes new opportunities as well. Um, I guess, what would I do differently? I'm not too sure on that one, really. Um, I guess yeah, just maybe don't don't stress too much. I know it's it's easier said than done, isn't it? I'm, I know I'm always saying to my students, um, no point stressing. But I think a little bit of stress is good. It motivates you to, you know, um, take that next step. But keeping a balance, keeping a balance between your work life and your personal life is so important. 
I think long-term stress is the anxiety problem that comes back. Mm-hmm. I think that's not good and very unhealthy for a lot of students and they can have like, you know, burnout or breakdown. Yes. And definitely. that affects their project in long, I know for myself as well. So I tried mm-hmm. always not to, you know, sort of, uh, relax myself I also had anxiety issues throughout my PhD obviously the pandemic as well so yeah. I all yeah yeah we need to calm down and remember it causes us if we don't take like regular breaks it causes us long-term effects then you have to interrupt your project a lot more yeah absolutely yeah. And you, you know you're not you're not defined by the, by the job or by the role that you do you're more than that like you that you there's more to your identity it's just kind of one aspect of your life um, I get it though, you know, obviously being a PhD student, even a postdoc, sometimes you are doing, you know, you're in the lab, you're doing experiments all hours, it does become a bit all consuming, but you're right, Denise, being being aware of that and being um, strict on yourself to like create healthy boundaries so that, you know, it, you don't, your life doesn't become all just that, you are, you know, you're, you're more than that, you're doing things outside work and with family and with friends and so on. It's so important. Yeah, my current issue is, I think, imposter syndrome, because mm. I'm such a junior postdoc, and I feel like I'm not enough, you know, what I do is, I need to do more. And mm-hmm. actually, that causes a lot of stress on me. Do you have any, you know, what would you do? Or did you have the same problem? Yeah, I think everyone, every academic has that at some point or another, um, particularly, I guess, when you're talking to senior colleagues. But I think you've got to remember like you've got to put things into perspective I think you know if if you're comparing yourself to someone that's um been in the field for 20 30 years then you know of course they're going to be more experienced of course they're going to going to know more than you um but when you're doing your PhD or even your postdoc that that project that you're working on you are the expert on it you know you're there's probably no one in the world that knows more about it than you so I think just having confidence in that in your own abilities and um, reflecting on your strengths that definitely helps and That's talking true. talking to others as well I think isn't it so important for mental health and anxiety because you end up um, kind of self-sabotaging as well and it's you know sometimes it, it comes out of nowhere so yeah I think it's so important to reach out and talk to people as well and also it's okay to fail because we're such achievers you know bachelor's master's PhD and it's okay to maybe not have a the most successful year in your postdoc or whenever exactly. sometimes you just yeah clients you know we our experiments fail all the time actually we probably have more that failed that actually work so, <laughs> True. You know, yeah. So, yeah if it wasn't for those failures you wouldn't know you know to tweak that experiment you wouldn't think oh, I need to culture it for longer or try a different cocktail of media or whatever it might be so yeah I think embrace failures and I think it's kind of setting yourself up for being okay with that I think having that resilience is so important especially if you want a career in academia true yeah I need to remind myself but <laughs> I'm gonna get there <laughs> yeah no, you absolutely will and you're well on track too as well Denise so thank you thank you I want to ask finally because it's already been I don't want to take too much of your time what are your next steps and what would you like to achieve next I mean not that you haven't achieved yet but yeah yeah we're always thinking kind of next steps aren't we um yeah so I guess research side um I'm just trying to obviously continue growing my research group 
Um, and we're at the exciting stage now where we're starting to collect uh, primary tissue from patients. So oh, wow. and hernia patients, yeah, for the first time. So we'll be able to start comparing how those cells behave in our tissue models um, and hopefully learn a bit more about hernias. Um, yeah, so that's exciting on the research side. I guess- Do what... you think, sorry for interrupting, do you think that would also lead you for a lot more personalized approach as well? Or are you looking for more automated as in like one finger, you know, mesh for everyone? Maybe your results might indicate you know, you can even maybe risk group the patients or sort of. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the personalized approach, um, maybe like further down the line, I think we're not quite there yet. But I okay. think that at this stage, it's mainly just looking at the basic biology interactions and learning, you know, what, what makes these disease cells different to our healthy ones. True, um, yeah. Yeah, just to learn a bit more about Very it. exciting. I hope everything goes well with that. Well, thank you, Denise. Yeah, so that's kind of the education side, uh, the research side, but the, obviously the education side as well, like I said at the beginning, I'm really heavily involved with. And um, as part of my role, um, trying to promote race equality, um, we're trying to develop interventions um, that would improve um, inclusivity of students within our faculty um, and one particular area is um, trying to improve their sense of belonging so that's why I was really excited to talk to you on this podcast because we were also considering uh, launching a podcast um, where we'd interview role models from a black and Asian minority ethnic background um, to really just increase their visibility um, and I think it ties in well with what you were talking about earlier Denise this whole imposter syndrome you know sometimes we don't feel like we belong or you know we can't see ourselves at that next stage so I think it's so important seeing yourself um, you know people like you people with similar names to you represented um, in staff and so yeah we're hoping to maybe do a podcast uh, something along those lines where we're doing a Q&A with a different name I can't steal yours like coffee <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll find you a better name yeah. and what yeah. an amazing idea wow yes it's all still very much in the development development stage but yeah hopefully hopefully over the summer we I'm watch that. more than happy to support you just you all you have all my help with anything we'll definitely um, be taking your expertise on board because you you've been running this so um really really well and so yeah we have a lot to learn from you yeah, I'm all, I'm very junior as well in this, but I, I'm getting there. At least, like, you know, I'll help you with the, I don't know, social media stuff, because I'm no, not sure yeah. if you heard, but for sustainability, I've done some TikTok videos. <laughs> and we actually got, yeah, we we had the gold award. So, I mean. Oh, fantastic. Congratulations. That's amazing. <laughs> well, not for the videos, obviously, but what I'm trying to say is I've done quite a lot of, you know, I expanded my social media skills a lot more. So I'll, I'm happy to help we need people like you so I will definitely be uh, ringing you for some advice if people wants to contact you not just for this but anything else but also especially for I think that's a very important project and uh, how, how, what is the best contact route for so you can always just drop me an email um so ucl.ac.uk and yeah I'm more than happy to have a chat um discuss over email or hopefully as things open up even we can start meeting people in person and um, so yeah more than happy to hear from anyone that would like to get involved or any questions even if it's to do with research or education more than happy to take those 
Yeah, and I'm hopefully um, going to, you know, connect your Twitter to this podcast as well. So if people oh, really? want to reach out, that would be amazing. But what an, what an exciting project. And I'm looking forward to follow your future works, Alvina. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you here. And thank you so much again for coming. And there are so many things to learn from you. And every time I speak to you, I learn other stuff. So it's amazing. Mm. Maybe I'll have you again later down there. <laughs> you take no, it's been really nice. It's been really fun for me as well, talking to you. So thanks. Thanks again. Thank you. So see you all in the next episode of Coffee Chats with Scientists. Stay connected. Mm.